You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. My conversation today is with someone I consider a friend first and a work colleague second by a lot. Terry Hulse is a very positive, very glass-is-half-full person. Believe it or not, I never really thought of Terry as a guest on the Meet Mediocrity podcast until a random Instagram comment that she made to one of my posts turned on the light bulb over my head. You want to hear about it? You want to hear what it's all about? Well, let's get started. Mediocrity Podcast Season 2, Episode 15, the 40th episode of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. This episode idea hatched when my friend Terry Hulse replied to an Instagram post I made asking for suggestions for podcast episodes. Terry said something like, Find a guest that can talk about silver linings in our everyday lives. It was something like that. Now, you have to understand, and I guess you probably do understand just listening to the podcast, but I tend to be one of those people who believes that everything happens for a good reason and that there are positive learnings to find in everything, a silver lining, if you will. So I started to think about Terry's Instagram reply, and I immediately said to myself, Mitch, you might be pretty good at being a silver lining person, but you know who's way better at being a silver lining person? Terry is. Terry is a great silver lining person. So instead of finding a silver lining person, I invited Terry to join me for a meet mediocrity conversation. Now, in convincing Terry to do this, I promised that it would would not be an interview. And you know, usually these podcasts are not interviews, they're conversations. And I promised Terry that we would just have a fun conversation, that we would tell stories and, you know, really point out, you know, the, the silver linings, if you will, in those stories. And that's exactly what happened. Today's conversation is Today's conversation is one where we explore some fun examples in our lives where we put ourselves out there and we embraced a little vulnerability. And by doing all that, we created positive outcomes for ourselves, silver linings. So without further delay, I am super excited to welcome my friend, Terry Hulse, to the Meet Mediocrity podcast. So, Terry, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Mitch. (laughs) So, Terry, um, I invited you, as you know, because, A, you're one of the more positive people I know, and um, I consider myself a positive person, but you're a very positive person, too. And um, 
we were I, I I posted something on Instagram about the fact that I was trying to think of um, podcast episodes, and you made a you made a comment something about looking for silver linings, and I love that. And of course, then I sucked you into being on the podcast. So thanks for that. <laughs> but, Happy um, to be here. But do you, Terry? Um, silver linings. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you mean about silver linings. And are you really one of those people who believes that, you know, everything happens for good reason? Like you hear that all the time, but tell me a little bit about how you feel about that. I I do. I feel like everything that happens in our lives is there for a reason. I don't know who's guiding that reason. Um, People have different beliefs, but for me personally, I do think that, every situation in your life has a silver lining and a meaning and it's focused on something good in your life. Um, And every time that I've been faced with something in my life and I've had multiple episodes where you have this situation of a a path, you can make a left-hand turn and become the victim or a right-hand turn and become the hero. Every time you take that right-hand turn to be a hero, you create your own destiny. And I do feel that very strongly uh, throughout everything that I've done. And and it's interesting. Well, it's interesting because when I reflect, thank you. Uh, When I reflect on you, you know, you and I had worked together in the 2004, 2005 timeframe and reconnected again in early 2013. And I remember sitting at dinner with you and not really knowing what was going on in your life. And you opening up at that dinner. And I just remember sitting there with tears in my eyes, listening to what was going on in your life at that moment and, <laughs> and reflecting on where you are today with magnificent Meredith. Right. And I think it would be interesting to reflect on your own silver lining. Well, I remember the dinner and um, I did agree with you that if you were a guest on my podcast, that this would be a two-way conversation and you can ask me questions too. So here I go. But um, before I get into my story, Terry, I just, you know, you, I love the way you spoke about like left-hand turn, right-hand turn. And, you know, I feel like looking for silver linings and looking for the glass being hair full um, is, is a choice. And if you do make that choice, if you make the glasses half full choice, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like it just does. And, you know, the story you were talking about, Terry, I can't say I always am great at this because it was, I don't know, maybe a year before um, the dinner you're referencing that maybe it was a little bit more than a year. Actually, it was, it was about 10 years ago from now, a little over 10 years ago, that I became a single dad. And it wasn't something that I chose and it wasn't something that I expected but I became a single dad and I did not see a silver lining at the initial, at the get go. I was, first of all, I was miserable. Second of all, I didn't see a way out of it. And um, the thing that kind of got me going was actually dating um, and putting myself out there. And um, I pretty quickly realized that being someone in your forties dating, a lot of um, 
people who bring a lot of baggage to the dating scene in their 40s um, was not a very fun scene. I thought it would be a fun scene. I thought it would be high school revisited, but it was not really a lot of fun. And so it made me a little bit happier than I was before I started dating, but it didn't make me completely happy by a long shot. And um, then I randomly went on a date with Magnificent Meredith, and she was completely different than anyone else I met. And um, she opened my eyes to um, a much more positive way of living and a much more positive way of being. And she brought with her um, being a single mom herself. She brought with her, her son, now my son, Connor. And um, it really has changed my life, Terry. And I remember the dinner that you were referencing and I was in such a good place when I, when we had that dinner, but that year leading up to that dinner, was a borderline shit show. <laughs> so, um, by, you know, finding Meredith and turning my life around was a true, true silver lining after perhaps kind of the, one of the worst things in my life, which was becoming a single dad. It's interesting because I reflect on your carriage and how you would stand, how you would look, the fact that your smile didn't reach your eyes, right? You had a <laughs> very tough situation. And I reflect now. My husband and I watch your every single morning, your morning minute, and you start it the same way. It's hello, hello. It's mediocre Mitch. And it's it's interesting because that is you, that positivity, that smile that lights up your face and your eyes. And that period of time, I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about it and seeing the lightness in you as you told me about Meredith. And the drudgery of the dating through the dating apps and keeping a spreadsheet <laughs> so that you could keep them all straight and then That's being right. able to delete it when you met Meredith and just the lightness and going to Paris for your honeymoon and putting a lock on a bridge and just yep. all these amazing things and the lightness that she brought to your life just comes through. And you could have chosen to be a victim, a single dad taking that left turn and instead you chose the right turn and became the hero of your story and met who I would consider your soulmate. Very much so. And um, look, not every, it, it's very hard to see it when it's happening, but looking back on it, you know, I almost wish I had embraced quote unquote opportunity that opportunity that becoming a single dad was um, instead of being, you know, having to break myself out of misery. And yeah, I did keep a spreadsheet to keep everyone straight, but <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that's the accountant in me. Um, but Terry, so um you and I also have some other um positive life stories to share. In fact, you and I were both um, pre-med students in college and neither of us are doctors. (laughs) Uh, So tell me a little bit about um, how pre-med didn't work out for you and and the silver lining there. Yeah. So it was interesting. I was uh, two and a half years into college, middle of my junior year, and just decided I didn't want to stay in school that that long. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of my college roommates were on the veterinarian medical path and 
as they were telling their stories, it just seemed too long for me. So I decided that I wasn't going to become a doctor. I spoke to my dad and he said, I'm happy paying for four years of college. I was very lucky. Times were different then. Right. Um, but he said, I'm only paying for four years. So I panicked, had a moment of panic, um, went and sat down and you know, kind of mapped out what I could do. And I had been dating somebody and he was a history major. He's now an attorney um, and had taken a lot of history classes for general ed and thought I can do it if I really kind of buckle down and take some extra credit. So I ended up graduating in four years and never with, in my while with, with a history major. With a history major, yeah. Yep. And um, which wasn't in the cards for me at that point in time. And I'm not very good at trivial pursuit now as a result of it. You'd think I would be. Um, but it but it made me realize that to use a history degree, it was law school or business school. And I took the business school route and really flourished, loved my classes, loved the whole business and entrepreneurial aspect of it. And by another random fluke, ended up uh, getting an internship with uh, my current uh, place of work back yep. then before they even had interns Right. and fell in love with it. And it was really a silver lining because I could have taken a different path. I could have taken a path where I didn't want to you know, be a doctor, but did it because it was what I needed to do to get through college or, or you started it or all these things. Yeah. Through it. Yep. Took a right hand turn, picked that hero path. And I can say that I had so much fun in business school and, and really with my career over the last almost 35 years, um, that it's made just a huge impact by kind of picking a different path, not always the easier path, but picking that right hand turn to be the hero of your own story. You know, Terry, the lesson here I, I, I'm seeing is you can, when, when you see adversity, you the quicker you can choose that, what you're calling the right-hand turn or the hero path, the quicker you can embrace it, um, the less time you have to spend doubting yourself and being in a, in a bad, bad head space and being miserable. I mean... You know, I had a similar story with you. I was a pre-med student. I got my D in organic chemistry and my D in biology, and I was kind of on academic probation. Actually, I was on academic probation. And my father said to me the same thing your father said to you, which is, you know, you're a lucky, you're a lucky boy. I'm going to pay for four years of college, but that is it. And you better get a degree. And I chose an, to be an English major just because I enjoyed reading and writing and didn't enjoy taking tests. So that was my path to that. But really the silver lining came years later when, you know, as a professional in a field that had nothing to do with English or reading or writing, I'm a well, I'm a very well read, I'm a very well read adult. I'm a very strong writer. And if I had just from the very get go said, I can choose a path that will be better in, for me in the long run, I would have probably had a lot more self-confidence and, and probably embraced my college years as an English major much more than I did. Well, it all worked out. It all worked out. Okay. It all worked out exactly, better than okay. Exactly. It all works out. It's interesting. Um, in 2005, I was relocated from Arizona to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And 
my family was going to stay behind for three and a half years so that my oldest son, um, who was a competitive baseball player, could finish at his high school, which was a nationally ranked high school. Yep. So I commuted um, between Arizona and San Francisco for three and a half years. And it's a lonely existence when you're in a city that you only know your people at work. I'd fly in every Sunday night and back every Friday night. Um, had a had a condo in San Francisco and. <laughs> You know, you can choose to hang out with yourself and maybe go for runs every now and again or watch TV or what have you, but really kind of thought, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to learn everything that I can about what San Francisco has to offer. I didn't have a car. I walked to and from uh, my condo to work and I had my work environment and I enjoyed everybody there, but it wasn't enough. And they were going home to families or other activities and I wasn't. Right. Um, So I decided that I was going to learn a new skill. um, And in the process, I was going to learn the city. So I brainstormed with myself around what would be an interesting thing to do (laughs) that would help me learn the city and meet new people. And I ended up deciding I was going to join a pool league, like a billiards league. Right. Looked it up, found one. And we played every Wednesday night. I played for over three years. We made it to Las Vegas Nationals. But on the team, I had a range of people. I had a firefighter. I had somebody in sales. I had somebody who I can't announce their profession because it was illegal at the time. It's now (laughs) legal in California. You can figure out what they were doing. (laughs) I had an Oracle executive and just the slice of life that you learned in meeting these people. But then I forced myself to take public transportation. We played all over the city every Wednesday. It was at a different bar and learned the city, the public transportation system, um, met a group of people that the majority of them I'm still friends with today. And it just brings this different kind of flavor to your life that you normally wouldn't get taking that left turn path. I could have stayed at night doing nothing or being by myself versus picking a much more open and out there choice. Um, and the richness that came out of that was significant. <laughs> you know, well, 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 smart tip number one, thank you. Cause next time I see you, I will not play pool with you because I will get hustled. Now I know. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but um, you know, Terry, th- there's a lesson here in putting yourself out there. And, and in my humble opinion, you're one of the queens in putting yourself out there. So I remember um when you you talked about the dinner where um we talked about Meredith it was either at that dinner or shortly thereafter you were telling me how um you were you were based in New York at the time um and you were telling me how you always walked to and from the office and you told me oh i, I i'm friends with my doorman and i'm friends with the guy who's the um who who um is the um carriage the the horse and carriage uh driver and you you told me how um you you'd spoken um to 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 firefighters who were standing outside the firehouse and you told me how you learned how to say hello in different languages so terry you're you're that queen of putting yourself out there and and quite a few of those stories led to really fulfilling things for you didn't they they did. And I, I feel like <clears throat> interacting with people on a personal level brings energy to me. And I lived a mile and a half between the office and where I was living in San Francisco. Again, another situation 
where I was apart from my family for three years. I did join a pool league in New York as well. Um, but walking to and from work, you encounter so many people that tend to be in the background to other people. And um, I would always walk up, <clears throat> I would always walk up to um, 59th, which is Central Park South. Mm-hmm. And then I'd hang a left. I was living at Columbus Circle. And I, I had multiple horses at the time. Now I have one, but right. I really enjoyed visiting the horses on my way home. And what would normally take me 25 minutes to walk oftentimes took me 45 because I'd stop along the way to visit all the horses. Right. (laughs) Really, if you take the time to learn about people, there was one carriage driver um, from Russia who was putting two of his daughters through Vanderbilt and he wanted them to have a college degree and something different than he had. Um, But the one carriage driver that I became very good friends with was from Turkey. And in Turkey, he was a government official, a highly educated master's level public official. And due to government government turnover and some government overthrow, he came to the U.S. and started out as a hotel bellman and then was driving a carriage. And he had ended up marrying an American woman that he'd met on uh, one of her vacations at the time they were expecting their first baby, just learning about his life and the experiences and the other driver's experiences was quite fascinating. In fact, um, he and his wife, Claire, now have four children. I've made baby quilts for all of them. Before I moved out of New York, they invited me to their home in Bay Ridge um, for dinner. And they had at that time, three children in a kitchen, a bathroom, and two very small bedrooms. Now they live in Oregon. They've moved to Oregon, but we're still connected today. And just the richness of the stories being brought into their lives, accepted into their lives, is just so rewarding. And I I think that if people put themselves out there to learn what makes another person tick, your whole world is changed. You know, and this is why, this is why I think you're so freaking cool because I remember, I remember when you're like, yeah, you know, I, I, you told me, I knew you, I knew you rode horses and I knew you were an accomplished uh, equestrian. And I remember when um, you told me, yeah, I stopped to see the, the horse and the horses and the horse and carriage drivers on my way home from work. I'm like, you're nuts. Um, like who does that? And, and here, here you, you know, again, this is towards the whole kind of things happen for a reason. You put yourself out there, you met some extraordinarily interesting people who 99.9% of the people walk past and never think two seconds about. You've met some very interesting people. You gained some appreciation for them and for your own life. And you establish some lifelong friends. It's really an amazing thing. I just think that you don't necessarily understand the impact that you can have on somebody else's life. And it's interesting. I won't say his name, although he's passed away. I was, I was, um, gosh, this would have been in 1988, 1989. I was. When you were 12. Well, yeah, I wish. Um, (laughs) I was flying from Phoenix to Dallas. Mm-hmm. and was in the bulkhead and there was a man that was sitting next to me 
Um, and I could tell something was wrong with him and it's about a two and a half hour flight and probably 10, 15 minutes into the flight, I could just tell that he was overcome with, um, emotion on the plane. And so I just, I was working and I stopped and I just looked at him and said, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And he broke down and we spent the flight with him sharing with me, he was the chairman of the board of a $6 billion company at the time. Um, he had a late in life child after having uh, other adult children. And he had just had to take him 15 years old and drop him off at a rehab facility in mm. Phoenix. And he had mm -hmm. done it by himself. And so I was just there for him on the flight and he shared his whole story. And when we got off, this was before cell phones. And he said, can I drive you to your hotel? And I, no, I'm okay. I'm good. Well, where are you staying? Um, I know my wife will want to drop a note to you. And the next day I got back from my client and there was a huge bouquet of flowers with a handwritten note from his wife, thanking me for being there for him. And over the years, he continued at that point in time, we hadn't done a lot of business for him. And it wasn't the purpose of my conversation, but but his company ended up being a client of, of our firm. Uh, so it was kind of a silver lining from that perspective, completely unexpected. And it wasn't why I went into the conversation. But interestingly hey. enough, I knew that he'd passed away in the late 90s. And I happened to be at another client meeting two years ago in Charlotte and happened, the event was at this museum and I had just told that story to somebody about being fearless and always putting yourself out there and paying attention to what's going on around you because you never know what kind of an impact you can have on somebody around you. And we were standing at the elevator bank as I finished the story and I looked up and there was, it was in a museum and there was a portrait of he and his wife, literally oh at that moment, goodness. a portrait of he and his wife. And I stopped and startled and asked one of the hotel or um, uh, museum docents why that was there. And he and his wife were huge benefactors of this museum. So it was just a weird moment to have told that story about him, about wow. his wife, and to have him be in this picture. And if Staring that wasn't a silver lining, right. I mean, it, it just, things happen for a reason. And that story again, 1988, 1989 still sticks with me today about that memory and the emotions and being there for another person. And I think that just being open to the conversations, being open to asking how folks are doing, those types of things can change your life not just their life, but your life. I'm curious, what made you use the term be fearless? Is it because people tend to not put themselves out there and you know, not make those connections and not open themselves up to the good things that could come from it? Like you use the term fearless and I'm wondering how you got there. I think that people are always afraid of rejection. Mm -hmm. And... I think that it's interesting. You and I have the amazing fortune of helping teams and partners and staff of our firm be better. Yep. And I, I truly believe that you and I have the best job in the firm. I agree. And 
it's interesting when when I work with folks who are pursuing something, whatever that something could be, they often take that glass half empty mentality. And Mm -hmm. I always ask them, what's the worst thing that can happen? And the worst thing that can happen is really insignificant. And then I ask the question, what's the best thing that could happen? And the return on that minor moment of discomfort is so significant um, that I think helping people think about being less fearless. Um, do we have time for one more interesting story? Yes, about we do. This? Yes, we do. So I, as I would walk down the streets of New York, I would always stop to pet dogs or if people were taking pictures. I'd always say, do you, I'm happy to take your picture. So you're all together or you're reading a map. Can I help you get somewhere? <laughs> that is such a Terry move. Okay. I know you well, would do that. So we, there was a, uh, one of um, my partners who is now retired. We every now and again would have dinner And one night we left a restaurant to go jump on the subway and it was pretty late. And he said, listen, while we're walking to the subway, no pictures, no maps, no dogs. (laughs) We have to make the subways now got a big gap. I need to get home. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help myself. And I said, just walk ahead. I'm fine. You go. I'm going to meander my way to the subway. And so we stopped a couple of times and sure enough, we missed the subway. And he complained about it all the way up the one train to the Upper West Side. And a couple years later, after I'd left New York, he called me and he said, I just did something that I know you'd be proud of. And you were in my head the entire time. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, I got off the shuttle. He'd taken the one train down to Times Square and the shuttle over to the office. And he said, when I got off the shuttle, there was an elderly couple with suitcases that clearly were lost. And he said, I was running late for a meeting, but I I walked away and then I thought Terry would not have walked away. (laughs) So he walked back and he said to them, can I help you? And they said, yes, we're trying to get to Penn Station. I think we took the wrong train. We're trying to get on a train to the airport. And he started to explain to them how to take the shuttle back and then take the one train down to Penn station. And they were clearly confused. So he said, just a minute. And he shot an email to his EA, his executive assistant and said, I'm going to be late and got on the shuttle with them and got them not only to Penn station, but on their train to JFK (laughs) and then came back to the office. And he said, I cursed you the entire time. (laughs) But I realized I made a difference and it made a difference for me. And so I think being open, paying attention to what's around you, putting yourself out there, the worst that could happen is completely insignificant to the value of the return that you get on those interactions. And so for me, I just try to live my life every day at being fearless. And I know you do this exact same thing. Think about the podcast. Like that's pretty fearless. To do something like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> so you're right, and um, you're right. I also was extraordinarily fearful, so I did not operate in the fearless way you said when I was thinking about the podcast. I love speaking with people. I love, you know, um, having conversations like this, and. Um, 
I've always wanted to do some form of podcast. And I was, I was talking, I was talking to um, my son and to Meredith just the weekend before this past one about the podcast. And I was comparing like numbers of listens and, you know, how is it increasing? And is it increasing fast enough? And, you know, how many people will listen to this type of episode versus that type of episode? And first Meredith says, do you enjoy doing this? I'm like, yeah, I love doing this. And she says, well, then who cares? Like, are you doing this for listens or you're doing this for pleasure? You should be doing it for your own pleasure and not for listens, which of course she's right. Um, and then, and then my son said, um, dad, you know, there's, you know, and he, he went into, he talked about an episode that he'd listened to that had a profound impact on his own life and his own motivation. I had no idea. And he said, you think I'm the only person who, you know, listened to something you said, or listened to something you, you spoke about with the guest that had a huge impact on them. And then he rattled off like at least two other specific instances where he, where he spoke to someone else who talked about the podcast. So, you know, I was fearful of rejection. I was fearful of reaction. Um, But now I'm realizing kind of like you, Terry, you put yourself out there, you do something that feels right to you. And A, you may have a big impact on someone else's life. And B, you're, you're, you're fulfilling something inside yourself as well. So it's like like a double or triple good can come out of all of the things we've been talking about. So it's not just some side of BS line, um, you know, everything works out for a reason or, you know, there's a silver lining here. If you can remember to take that approach, the the, the payback can be multifold. Huge. If, had you expressed to me before you did the podcast that you were fearful, I would have said to you, if only one person listened to the podcast and got something out of it, is that enough for you? And I know what your answer would have been. It would have said yes. It would have been absolutely, right? Yes. And the fact that you are able to do what you love, make it positive impact, not only on your listeners, but on you. It, the, the return on that is so significant. And that's where that beer, be fearless piece. If the worst thing that could have happened to you is you had one listener every single week <laughs> versus the return on investment, which is multiples of that, of having a positive impact, even if it's one person a week, is so significant that the pros outweigh the cons so significantly. And I think if folks just took a pause and said, what's really the worst thing that could happen here? And what's the most amazing thing that could happen here? The gap is so significant that everybody's going to take that right-hand turn to be the hero. Well, Terry, I told you that this podcast episode would be amazing. This has been like an amazing conversation. I'm so glad you chose to do this with me. Thanks for inviting me. I really... I really hope that if folks listening walk away with one thing is to put yourself out there and just experience the wonder of the world through other people's eyes 
you will be amazed at the lessons that you're able to take for yourselves and the positive impact you can have on others. And that, and that Terry is why things happen for good reason. And that is why things work out well. If you look for a silver lining, because you, because you've actually done the things that you suggested. So in a way it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's a prophecy you can control through your actions. And, and that's why this is such an important topic, especially today, Terry. I mean, we've got so much stressors going on in the world. And if we can take a moment to take just some of the suggestions that we discussed today, you could be a lot happier in a generally scary time. I agree. Well, Thank thanks, Terry. Okay, very good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Making a right-hand turn and being the hero in your own story. I will officially now be adopting that phrase as my own. Thanks, Terry. (laughs) Terry also used the term fearless. She said that if you put yourself out there and not let the fear of rejection hold you back, you can experience some amazing moments, silver lining moments. I think that was the moment in today's conversation that struck me the most. When Terry said, most people are afraid of rejection, I realized she's totally right. That fear is really what inhibits people from putting themselves out there. And when you don't put yourself out there, you limit the chances of being the hero in your own story. And it limits the opportunity to experience some amazing things. So after Terry and I recorded the conversation that we had, I actually listened to it several times. And um, each time I listened to it, it had more meaning for me. So listen to it three times. (laughs) No, but it really did have more meaning to me because if you think about it, If you put yourself out there, if you make the right turn, become the hero in your own story and experience silver linings, you really can experience life in a deeper and richer way. So I got a lot of words of wisdom from Terry and personally, I plan on upping my game in these areas in the coming weeks and months ahead. So finally... I want to thank you once again for listening to the Meet Mediocrity podcast and for following Meet Mediocrity on social media. I invite you to continue commenting on my posts, share your ideas, and share your insights. Terry did, and we had a great conversation today. So, until next time, please continue to stay safe, stay healthy, stay positive. Take care, everybody.